It's good to be with all of you here at this Catholic men's conference. I know it's a Catholic men's conference because there are many seats open up in the front and people standing around at the back. <laughs> this year's theme, of course, is the Eucharist, Go Deeper. And we've heard some phenomenal talks today, and many men have gone to confession, and they've gone deeper in their faith. In our first reading today, we heard the Lord, through Moses, invite the people to go deeper, to observe the laws and statutes with their whole heart and with all their strength. And God promised them blessings if they would heed his voice and hearken to his commandments. But do we do it? We who have been given the gift of faith through baptism, we who have been sealed with the gift of the Holy Spirit and confirmation, we who time and time again have been nourished with the Holy Eucharist, we who have been forgiven our sins and strengthened in reconciliation, do we actually hearken to the Lord's voice and keep his commandments and observe his statutes and decrees with our whole heart and strength? Do we go deeper, living lives consistent with the Eucharistic mystery. Today's gospel is taken from the fifth chapter of St. Matthew. Begins that chapter with Jesus going up the Mount of the Beatitudes. And he sits down. He's going up just like Moses went up the mountain to receive the law from the Lord. He sits down. The position of teaching and teaching with authority was a seated position in his time. And Jesus began to teach the crowds, beginning with the Beatitudes. This is how he began his great Sermon on the Mount, the spiritual attitudes which his followers ought to have, to be poor in spirit, to be meek and humble of heart, to be pure of heart, to be merciful, and so on, to be happy even in the face of persecution. After giving them this spiritual program, Jesus then tells them about their mission. They are to be salt of the earth and light of the world. Salt adds flavor to the world. It preserves from corruption. Light helps us to see things more clearly, including the reality. Helps us to know our way in the darkness of this world. But his disciples are to be salt and light enlightening those who dwell in darkness in the shadow of death, purifying the culture with the values that Jesus has taught them. Then Jesus went on to say, unless your righteousness, unless your justice exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you shall not enter into the kingdom of God. Because the scribes and the Pharisees, they kept the letter of the law in an external way but not the true spirit of the law. They didn't go deeper into what the law was trying to preserve, those values. Everything was formal, everything was external, but there wasn't the deeper conversion that the law wanted to bring about in them. Jesus carefully warns his disciples, unless your righteousness, unless your justice exceeds that of the scribes and the Pharisees, you shall not enter into the kingdom of God. They have to go deeper. Then in verses 21 through 48, he begins a new method of teaching. It was a rabbinical method of teaching called an antithesis. You have heard it said to you by Bishop Griffin, but I say to you, on my authority is one greater than his, with his greater than his. 
right? Jesus was like that. You have heard it said to you by Moses, but I say to you. You have heard that it was said to you, you shall not kill. But I say to you, you shall not grow angry with your brother. You have heard it said to you by Moses, to your ancestors, in the law. You shall not commit adultery, but I say to you, any man who has looked at a woman with lust in his heart has already committed adultery with her. Jesus doesn't abolish the law. He has come to fulfill it, to deepen its true meaning, and he expects his disciples to go deeper. Today we hear the sixth of the antitheses, because just prior to this, Jesus has said other beautiful things. Turn the other cheek. Go the extra mile. Give someone not only your shirt off your back, but your cloak as well. These are all commandments from Jesus. They're not, well, if you'd like to do it, well, then give somebody your cloak. Not, oh, may maybe go to the extra mile if you're not too tired. Or maybe forgive. Jesus gives his disciples real commandments with real meaning that go beyond the mere letter of the law. You have heard it said to you, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemies, but I say to you, you shall love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Do we keep his commandments, his statutes and decrees with our whole heart and all our strength? Perhaps this is one of the more difficult things for us to do, to learn how to forgive, to pray for our enemies, and to actually love them. When we were the enemies of God, when we were lost in our sins, the eternal Father gave us his own son to win our hearts, to convert us to his way of love. This is the way of the Lord Jesus and the way of discipleship, to love not only our neighbors, but our enemies as well. Tax collectors, pagans, they love those who are already their friends. What about us living in a polarized society, in a secularized world, in a world that hates Christians and Catholics? Can we love? Last Sunday I was in New York. Last weekend I was in New York. I'm part of the lay movement, communion and liberation. And I had to moderate a panel. And there were three speakers. One was a priest of Wichita, who's originally from Myanmar, Burma. The second was a priest from India. And the third was a bishop from Nigeria. The, the priest from Myanmar was ordained as a Salesian priest, but he was forced to leave his country. He cannot go back. There they have a communist socialist government. They are persecuted. And the church is very small and very persecuted, and he cannot go back to his own country. And so he's serving here in the United States. But he remembers his family members, his friends who are still there. And he continues to fight for them and to work for justice and to raise awareness. But he also prays for the conversion of those who are persecuting his own people. Because they too were willed into existence by God and are loved by God. The priest from India... Father Don Bosco Darcy, I had met him this summer in Italy, about an hour north of Milan. I met him, and I was fascinated. He's from Andhra Pradesh, where you have the Dalit Christians, the untouchables, the poorest of the poor. And the government is very anti-Catholic, anti-Christian these days in India, unfortunately. 
And their schools, they have very little opportunity for schooling and education. And there are no jobs for them. And the people are very poor and they're persecuted. How do they respond? But in love. When, they, when their churches were burned, what did they do? They fled to the forest and had mass there. We have many churches in our country open. Many people can come in, anyone off the street to worship. And no one comes. And the Eucharist is offered daily. The Holy Sacrifice of the Mass is offered daily on our altar. And no one comes when God's love is so near that they will flee in the midst of fire. Their churches are being burned to the forest just to have Jesus in their lives. And Don Bosco tries to minister his own people. But what also happens in times of persecution, in times of war? And I ask your prayers for the people in Ukraine. Today's two years since the war began there. What happens in times of war, in times of persecution? You have many refugees. Amongst these are girls, young women, who have no education. And they are kidnapped and they are trafficked to meet the demands of lust of men. What does Don Bosco do? He started 12 houses in India called the Talatha Kum Unati Homes, which help young women to get education, to heal after the trauma, to learn how to pray again and to trust God again so that they can get their lives back. This is his response to persecution and hatred, to be constructive, not just to learn how to hate more or to grow angry. The third was this Bishop Mark uh, Nezuquain. And he was telling, he's in new diocese, less than a year old. He's a bishop less than a year. His people are all farmers. They have rich and fertile land. The problem is, is that the Fulani tribe keeps shooting them whenever they try to cul cultivate the land and are taking their land from their own people. So the people have not enough food to eat, and they are all poor. But what is happening? The church is continuing to grow and grow and grow. They want to witness to their neighbors. And what do they do during Ramadan when the people are fasting, the Muslims are fasting? They bring them food because this is the Christian way of life. And they have a seminary in the Archdiocese of Jos, which is surrounded by Muslims, militants, yet they have no fence because they will not raise their arms against their brothers. Their defense is the word of God and true Christian charity. You have heard it said to you, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy, but I say to you, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. This is a fundamental demand of the gospel. Otherwise, we are not worthy of the name Christian. We would be hypocrites if we failed to love our enemies and to pray for those who persecute us. Do we do it with all our heart and with all our strength? Do we heed the voice of the Lord? Or is it just some other rabbi telling us something? God's word is true. It's the living word of God. The word of God is living and effective. It pierces the heart like a two-edged sword. The conference that I attended concluded with a testimony of Rachel Muha, a Columbus native, 
whose son Brian was brutally murdered. What did Rachel do? She forgave the boys who murdered her son. She visited them. She prays for them every day, hoping they will be converted. And she founded a center here in town to help boys from broken homes to learn virtues and to have a safe place to be and to grow in strength. This, to, this is her response to great evil. Matthew chapter 5, verse 48 concludes with these words. Be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. And no one of us here is perfect. If you think you are perfect and without sin, we will take the Blessed Mother's picture down and put your picture up there. <laughs> it is not a technical perfection that God is talking about, that Jesus is talking about. It is a perfection in love, a daily perfection, an ongoing conversion to the deeper love of Christ. Before the Second Vatican Council, at every wedding, the priest had the same homily. Maybe it still happens after the council, I don't know. But the priest's words were always written out for him. It would talk about God as the author of marriage, children as the crown of marriage. And then it would talk about the key to every successful marriage is the principle of sacrifice. Sacrifice is usually difficult and irksome. Only love can make it easy, and perfect love can make it a joy. We are willing to sacrifice in proportion to our love, and when our love is perfect, the sacrifice is complete. There is no greater love than this than to lay down one's life for one's friends. We see that Jesus the Savior embodies these words. He loved his heavenly Father and he loved us in a perfect manner and made of his whole life an offering to God. A perfect sacrifice for the forgiveness not of his sins but of our sins. So great was his love for us. He who knew no sin became sin for us. He was perfect in his love. And he gives us the gift of perfect love in the Holy Eucharist with the invitation to go deeper. Unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you shall not enter the kingdom of God. My friends, I have been put on this earth, the priests have been put on this earth, you have been put on this earth, to help every person on this earth enter into the kingdom of God, to know the love of God that comes to us in Christ Jesus. This is our mission. This is our task to which we commit all our strength. Sometimes people are not so easily con converted by our true teachings, but they are converted by perfect love when they see Christians living the way Jesus lived forgiving their enemies, and not just forgiving them, but loving them. You have heard it said to you, you shall love your neighbor. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you.